I have admired Shel Atkinson for years. Uh, she is uh, an award-winning journalist, a former correspondent with CBS. She is also the host of Sinclair's Sunday TV program, Full Measure. She's a woman with guts. And uh, so I, 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 I'm just thrilled to have you on the line with us, Shel Atkinson. Well, thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, you are a woman with great uh, courage, uh, but I don't know that you really thought you'd be right in the position that you are uh, now. Uh, you have sued Eric Holder, the Department of Justice, and the FBI. Tell us why. Some couple of years ago, when I was investigating reporting at CBS News, um, I had some sources in the intel community alert me that I was likely being monitored for my work, and they both stated separately that the public would be shocked at the extent to which the government was spying on its citizens. Well, this sounded kind of crazy at the time because we didn't know about Eric, uh, Edward Snowden. We didn't know about Associated Press or any of these other cases. But through a source, I was able to have a high-level source forensically look at my work computer, and yes, they found government intelligence software inside and forensic evidence of a long-term monitoring effort um, that included keystroke monitoring, activating Skype to listen in on my conversations and exfiltrate files, um, someone planning classified documents in my computer. We, we have dates and times. We know, you know a whole lot through the forensics. They're sort of like fingerprints. So that became this odyssey, but it became clear as all of these other cases came forward that the Department of Justice was incapable of or unwilling to investigate itself and tell on itself. Does that sound familiar? Uh-huh. So um, I had an attorney who's actually a Democrat but believes and supported Hillary Clinton and President Obama but believes this is a horrible abuse, the worst one he said he's seen in all his years of practice. So we're fighting in court to at least try to identify the guilty parties, and unfortunately we've learned that even under President Trump, the persistent bureaucracy continues to obstruct and use your tax dollars to delay and make sure we don't get discovery and make sure we can't find the truth. Well, Cheryl, what was it that you were investigating that would would make make them do this? Well, you'd have to ask them, but I will I will say that I was conducting a lot of investigations at CBS that was drawing daily pushback from the White House directly. They would call my bosses at the Washington Bureau. They would consult with other correspondents and producers and try to get them to push back. They would call managers in Washington. It was a constant effort. I was covering green energy waste stories they were very sensitive about. I was covering Fast and Furious. I broke that story. Benghazi. And just a lot of things they were sensitive to. But I do want to say I certainly don't think I was the only one because a lot of news came out about monitoring of journalists. I think there was a program to monitor journalists. And there was a hint of that in a WikiLeaks document that said these contractors that they're called the shadow CIA were discussing that they said Brennan, John Brennan, who went on to become head of CIA, was behind the witch hunts of inside the Beltway journalists that were talking to Obama administration whistleblowers. And this email even said there was a tasker from the White House assigned to go after journalists. So I think that's what really tells the story of what was happening in that era. Were you getting support from your um, employers over at CBS? Were were you flying alone? What did that feel like exactly? 
it was very strange because initially when I reported to them, as you have to do, that the computer's been infiltrated. You know, that's a very serious thing at a corporation. And they had been in the CBS system, we could tell. Um, they, you know, it was just very strange feeling, strange times. They were supporting my reporting, but also didn't like the pushback from the White House. Uh, there were people there who didn't like the reporting, did not want the Obama administration challenged, even though I thought this was not challenging the Obama administration. It was simply following the facts on, you know, some government oversight scandals. So it was just a little strange. They hired their own independent forensics team, which quickly confirmed the intrusions. But then we kept them quiet for months as we were looking into them further and trying to figure out what to do and doing deeper forensics. But then Edward Snowden came forward. The Associated Press case broke. All this was happening in the same time period. There was a lot of surveillance and monitoring going on. And finally, CBS announced publicly that these remote intrusions had occurred. And, um, you know, they promised to continue following it up. But to my knowledge, didn't do anything after that. But I continue my own effort with independent forensics teams and the lawyer that has helped me and some people since then. So it was just strange. Also, my colleagues, you know, my first response, if I'd have learned of that, especially when the press announcement was made by CBS that this had happened, I would have wondered, gosh, were they in my files right. too? Were right. my sources compromised? Not one person asked me that question at CBS. It, was, it just felt very weird and strange times. Wow. Well, in this segment, we have just about four minutes left because in the next segment, we want to talk about your book. But you have sued Eric Holder, the FBI, and the Department of Justice. So where where are you at on that lawsuit? We, um, for three years, nothing happened, long story short. Then last fall, a year ago, it got transferred to Virginia from D.C. The judge said it was a very serious case with a credible journalist and terrible allegations that she believe were, you know, seem to be believe were true. And then suddenly after the government blocked all of our subpoenas, all of our discovery efforts, the case was dismissed on grounds of government immunity. And yes, these officials do have broad immunity and for some good reason, but we're arguing that they don't have immunity in this case. And we have oral arguments in our appeal January 29th. So we're moving forward. And I have a, an independent group of liberal conservative and libertarian and nonpartisan lawyers and whistleblowers who've signed on to a Fourth Amendment litigation fund on GoFundMe. So the Atkinson Fourth Amendment litigation fund, if anybody does want to help, because the government does have unlimited tax dollars they're spending to fight, and I don't have as many millions mm-hmm. <laughs> as they do to uh, pursue, but we're determined to carry this through anyway. Okay, again, where can people do this? If you go to GoFundMe, it's the Atkinson Fourth Amendment litigation fund. Okay, okay. But also, uh, just briefly... If you can't do that, no problem, but tweet or call or contact the Department of Justice, the Trump White House, President Trump, and tell them, that I would ask, quit spending taxpayer money protecting the remote computer intruders in this case. That just is ludicrous that they're doing that instead of investigating themselves. Oh, that is for sure. And, and you mentioned that they have unlimited resources, and, and we need to, government shouldn't have unlimited resources to, to do this kind I mean, they shouldn't be doing this kind of stuff. This is one of the reasons that we have the Fourth Amendment. So it's absolutely astonishing. And Cheryl, I, I mean, you're, thank you. Thank you for doing this. And as you mentioned, you had um, colleagues that 
you should have said, hey, I wonder if they're watching me. And you said, nobody asked you that question. That is absolutely astounding to me. So uh, so let's go to break. We want to talk with you about your book also. Uh, it's Smear, How Shady Political Operatives and Fake News Control What You See, What You Think, and How You Vote. So we're going to go to break. This is the AmeriChicks. I'm Kim Munson. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website, AmeriChicks.com. We dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. And we offer the conservatarian perspective on these things. Uh, we have on the line with us Cheryl Ackeson. She is an award-winning um, a correspondent. She was uh, with CBS for a number of years, and she is the host of Sinclair's Sunday TV program, Full Measure. In the last segment, we talked with her about her lawsuit against uh, Eric Holder, the FBI, and uh, the Department of Justice regarding uh, intrusion, spying on her in her on her computer. And uh, oral arguments for her case are at the end of January. But she's also written a very important book. Uh, it's called The Smear, and it is that. Uh, let's see, find my notes. So, what's the exact title on that, Cheryl? I have too many pieces of paper the here in front of me. Subtitle is. How shady political operatives control what you see, what you think, and how you vote. Okay. So tell us about that. I It's sort of a follow-up. I will call it number two uh, to my book, the book Stonewalled, that looked at influence of the news industry and media. But in this case, it really digs into the industry that does all this because it's become a multi-billion dollar sort of quiet industry of PR firms and nonprofits and super PACs and LLCs and law firms. And what they do is they spin narratives. They do political opposition research. They nexus with news and quasi-news outlets. They place personnel and stories there in such a way that I argue the news is extremely controlled now by narratives, which is why you you can watch a lot of different channels even if they're taking different positions, why are they all talking about the same three stories when there are literally thousands of news stories that could be reported in a given day and an infinite number of ways to report them? But we are all being aimed and steered toward the same couple of, couple of them by this industry that benefits politically and financially. You know, they have a lot of donors and backers if the narratives go a certain way. So that's what I tried to dig into in this book. Okay, what'd you find out? Well, I found out that um, they're very powerful and effective, and I profiled what Democrats and Republicans operatives pointed to as the most successful one, which is the conglomerate of groups run by David Brock, who worked for Hillary Clinton, started a Hillary Clinton super PAC, Media Matters, which does all kinds of narratives against anybody who reports negatively on the issues, whether it's vaccine safety or Hillary Clinton or whatnot. They have operations, and they have a network of several dozen groups under different names that sound like grassroots. Gee, everybody's, you know, look at all these people that are want to boycott this story or getting on social media. Well, it's the same handful of people that they may be called the Citizen for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, or they may be called Blue Nation, or they may be called um, the Franklin Group. These are all the same people, and the money moves around, as I profiled in one chapter, between the groups with donors who are masked because of the way the fundraising occurs, you can't really find out who the givers are. It's a fascinating world, and both Democrats, Republicans, and nonpartisan corporations 
move within it. And they've really figured out how to pull our strings. I hold us and the news responsible for not staying more distant and aware of these efforts. We've, we've in some respects, almost totally succumbed to them. Well, and it's no longer a free press when this is occurring. I mean, the idea of freedom of the press was that you would have uh, journalists, writers that, that would shed light on government because government can use uh, force. They can uh, tax people. They have unlimited resources, as you mentioned in your case. You don't have unlimited resources to bring this lawsuit forward. But the government has unlimited resources to try to block your lawsuit. And it was never really supposed to be like that, Cheryl. I'm not quite sure how we got here. But what, what do we, I guess I want to say, what, what can we do about it? But you are doing something about it because you're bringing this uh, lawsuit forward. Let's talk about I that. Think, I oh, go ahead. think people need, people need to keep talking about it and don't just give in. It's what, what looks like a two-tier justice system. If the FBI lies about a Chinese spy, Wen Ho Lee, and he ends up in solitary confinement before they found out the FBI lied about his polygraph, nothing happens to the FBI. But if someone lies to the FBI about a crime that didn't occur, then they're going to go to prison. If, you know, it just seems very double-sided. I think there's never been more of a sense of that. It's not just under Democrats or Republicans, but there's two standards of justice depending on who you are. And the government can wield its control instead of understanding to me that they work for us. They're supposed to represent us and our interests. They believe they lord over us with money they don't understand is ours. They withhold documents that belong to us, that they gathered on our behalf with our money while on our salaries, and then withhold them from us. It's just gotten to be, you know, way out of control, and we need to speak out and talk about it a lot. Is something you said in the last segment, uh, what you're describing happened to you under the Obama administration. But you said that, uh, or maybe, I, tell me if I heard that right, that there was still stuff like this going on under the Trump administration. I don't know about surveillance. I'm saying the Trump Justice Department is fighting exactly the same way, this lawsuit, as the Obama Justice Department. And what that shows you is someone should have come in and said, in a fair world, What's this case look like? I see they have forensics. The forensics are irrefutable. Let's open a criminal investigation, find out which of our people did this. And instead, they're just fighting it as if it's defensible and or they don't care who did it or why, that they're just digging in their heels and using our tax money without our permission to fight back instead of getting at the truth. It's the opposite of what the Justice Department ought to be doing. Well, that's for sure. And you had mentioned that that everyday citizens need to contact the White House and say that this is unacceptable. Uh, Certainly, uh, President Trump has plenty of battles out there that he's fighting on. And and, um, I don't want to give him a pass, but my gosh, there's so many different things that they're trying to stonewall him on that, uh, you know, it's difficult to fight all of these battles. But this is so important. Can I say one thing, how this this connects to today's scandal? When Trump came in, I think we now have evidence that there was an operation against him and the people who worked with him. And one of the reasons why there was this operation to surveil and controversialize him and keep him, his Justice Department, neutered was, according to sources of mine, I think evidence has borne this out in the the last two years, President Trump and his administration, including General Flynn, planned to dig into these surveillance abuses and other intel uh, agency abuses. They didn't just start in 2016. These have been going on for many years. A lot of people know about them. These agencies and people and bureaucrats and spies did not want that to happen. They're 
I've been told by people who work in the government intel agencies that people should go to jail. High-ranking people should be in prison for this. They cannot have Trump and his crew looking around. So I think that's where all of this connects. They, they are hiding, and it's important for them to hide the things like they did to me, and I certainly wasn't the only one, the things they've done to politicians, um, things we probably don't even know about, just we, we only know what we've discovered publicly accidentally. So I kind of think that's how my case fits into the big picture. Okay, so you're saying that President Trump comes in and, and they say, hey, we're going to look into this. And uh, then we end up with all this Russian collusion stuff and Mueller right. and aha. They're terrified of General Flynn. General Flynn knew about having worked as um, in, head of an intel agency. He knew of a lot of abuses. And he was, according to my information, we knew this before all this happened. He was going to go in and review and look at all this stuff. And they knew that, you know, before President Trump, they panicked when President Trump got elected and they saw Flynn is going to get in there. So they made it. If you want to look at it as part of the insurance policy, if they could get an investigation going quickly, then anything Trump t- tried to do, any any motion he made toward his own Justice Department, which presidents are allowed to do and do routinely, normally, but anything he did would then be called obstruction of justice. So if he goes to them now and says, you know, look at this or that, they're going to say obstruction. Uh-huh. If he does anything, and that's their protection. That's their little you know, protective system, I believe, that they've worked out. And as long as Mueller has the investigation going, and there's evidence that he's very conflicted in this now. I didn't go into this thinking that, but I now do. As long as he's in charge of the investigation, then any, they can keep Trump away from his own Justice Department because it will be obstruction if he makes any motion. So they've effectively separated him from his own Justice Department, from the people he needs to look into this sort of thing or to stop the abuses. Okay, we only have a, a couple of minutes, but so when Jeff Sessions recused himself, what do you think when you saw that happen? Well, if he thought he should recuse himself, I can't say he shouldn't have. It's just that nothing ever came of what they've investigated, and I believe that that was part of the insurance plan discussed by James Comey's friend and by FBI agents Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. It's very clear it's a, it's a logical deduction that the insurance plan they discussed having had to do with making sure trump could not get close to the justice department for fear of uncovering the things in the intel agencies and justice departments that have been going on some of it has been uncovered anyway through osmosis although nothing's happened to those people by and large but we we've learned a lot in the past two years and it should shock the sensibilities of everybody who's learned about the leaks, the improper behavior, the destruction of documents, the political alleged political surveillance of citizens and their political enemies. This is just a really big story. It is a big story. Okay, one minute. You're talking to the you know somebody at the coffee shop, that busy mom who's out there that she she should know this stuff, but she doesn't. Is there any you know how would we very quickly explain that something's going on that's important and they should care? Well, what was said to me is that the American citizens would be shocked to the extent to which the government is spying on their own citizens, covering it up and developing their own sort of kingdom or fiefdom where they are no longer accountable to the people, but they lord over us in ways that if, if it's not touching you today or if you don't see how it's touching you today, you know, it, it will. If this doesn't turn around, it, it really will. So this lawsuit that you are bringing forward uh, against Eric Holder, the Department of Justice, and the FBI. This is this is monumental, what you're doing, Cheryl Atkinson. 
it's a landmark case. That's why the attorneys got behind it. It's being watched in the legal community. It's an uphill battle because the, the deck is stacked against me. They need to give me the information so that I can prove the names of the people who did it, and they're not going to give me the information. So we fight on as best we can because I'm not going to just give up and roll over. But You're an American. It's an uphill battle. You know what? Thank you. We have the blood of the patriots uh, pulsing through our veins. So Cheryl Ackeson, thank you so much. Keep up the good fight, and we'll get you back you. Uh, after you have these oral arguments. I tell you what, that is absolutely gives me heart. I'm really excited about that. Our quote for today, Samuel Adams, he said, no people will tamely surrender their liberties, nor can any be easily subdued when knowledge is diffused and virtue is preserved. On the contrary, when people are universally ignorant and debauched in their manners, they will sink under their own weight without the aid of foreign invaders. Uh, This is the AmeriChicks. I'm Kim Munson. Read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, Communicate, listen well, live honestly, authentically, and in the byline of Superman, strive for truth, justice, and the American way. God bless you. God bless America.